active shooter. We have multiple injuries. Shortly before 7 p.m., bystanders, young and old, fled for their lives Wednesday night after a gunman opened fire at a bowling alley in Lewiston. Daytime recreation for an active shooter incident, multiple people down. After reports of the shooting, police released these photos of a man walking into the bowling alley and pointing an AR-style weapon. Snowman like a bowling and out of nowhere, he just came in and there was a loud pop. That was a balloon. This witness says he was inside the bowling alley for just 10 minutes when shots rang out. I just booked it um, down the lane and I slid basically into where the pins are and climbed up in the machine and was on top of the machines for about 10 minutes until the cops got there. Police also released this image of the person of interest's vehicle in a parking lot. Its driver's side door left open, which police later recovered nearly 10 miles away in Lisbon. Police said they responded to a second location at a bar and restaurant less than four miles away and then released this image of 40-year-old Robert Card as a person of interest in the pair of shootings. PD on scene, but the suspect is still at large. According to a Maine law enforcement bulletin seen by CBS News, Card is a trained firearms instructor believed to be in the Army Reserve based out of the city of Saco, Maine. He recently reported mental health issues and threatened to shoot up the National Guard base there. He was committed to a facility for two weeks over the summer. We have uh, literally hundreds of police officers working around the state of Maine uh, to investigate this case, to locate Mr. Card. We'll continue to gather information so that we can bring uh, the suspect to justice. As the search for Card continues, dozens of victims flowed into the local hospital system, which could quickly become overwhelmed. I've heard people that down there by the doors that have family members in there. There was a girl down there with five people all got shot up and they're like frantic. While others gathered at a nearby middle school in Auburn, hoping to reunite with loved ones who were caught in the shootings. This is a happier place right now in the entire area where people, you know, witnesses saw traumatic events are coming together with their family and loved ones who were worried to death about them, and they're coming together, so it is happy. But on the flip side of the happiness, what you're seeing is you're seeing the, the turmoil and the trauma that they're going through, especially the witnesses. Now, this situation is still very fluid, and we are awaiting additional details. We hope to learn more, Nate, at a news conference later this morning. Truth. Today's about truth. Veteran mental health truth. The truth about the new Speaker of the House. The judicial system. Welcome to Truth Thursday on the Rob Manis Show here at the Red Voice Media Network. Uh, and we are doing our X Spaces simulcast. Here we are, folks, 19 days after October 7th in Israel, and another attack happens right here in America by one of our own. We're going to talk about veteran mental health today in the first half of the show. Uh, and a set of medications the Veterans Affairs Health folks prescribe in very large quantities for PTSD. They're called SSRIs, and up to 75% of veterans suffering from PTSD are on these meds. And then next, we'll have a guest with Mike Davis of the Article 3 Project uh, to talk about the craziness that's already being reported about Speaker of the House Mike Johnson and uh, by the leftist politicians and media, and uh, especially about uh, his position on the 2020 election. And of course, we have to talk about the judiciary's actions because 
it's impacting the presidential election. Welcome to our first Open Mic Truth Thursday, where our live audience will get more engagement opportunities than ever before. I've been wanting to do this for a long time, and today just worked out really great. Uh, the first uh, first person from the live audience I'd like to call up is uh, Chad Caton. Chad and Matt Couch of the DC Patriot have been tracking on the active shooter incident that happened last night in Lewiston, Maine. And please keep all those families uh, in your prayers and our country in your prayers, folks. Uh, I mean, this is this is a tough day. Uh, a lot of days are, but this is really a tough day for our entire country. I'm I have a problem with it because. Uh, you know, I lost a friend on night one of Iraqi freedom because of an American soldier fragging him. And uh, uh, it's just tough when one of our own uh, comes at us like this. So, Chad, if you don't mind, come up uh, to the mic and uh, give us an update on what that corporate media probably missed and what you guys saw through the night real quick. Well, that's what's great about spaces. And thanks for having me, Colonel. Um, uh, I'm honored to be on your show here. Uh, we did all the way till three o'clock in the morning. We were covering um, uh, the different frequencies in regards to uh, public safety. We were listening in real time. Um, there was multiple investigations from warehouses. And we also were able to have uh, people on the ground, literally blocks and miles from things that were happening on the ground, giving us real sources. Um, again, uh, it's funny how Twitter Spaces has given us an opportunity to actually take the media back from the corporate shills that are out there putting whatever they want. One of the things they put out were astronomical numbers. And, and the reason that is terrible is because everybody's going to share that. Yeah. The numbers have come down considerably when everybody wakes up the next day to the point where they, say, they were saying 60-plus people were injured when, in fact, it's currently uh, 13 injured, 18 have been confirmed dead. Um, and they kept talking last night about the dead uh, was 30, 20 to 30, and was likely to go up. So that's the first thing that's gone out. Uh, and we were able to really squash and squell a lot of that last night with the particular shooter. They were putting up the wrong picture all over the place and mm -hmm. saying that he was a child molester. Um, but where it sits right now is we have a Army Reservist, 20-year Army Reservist First Sergeant, who uh, is not overtly trained in combat. He was a, a petroleum specialist. Um, to me, I'm not an Army guy. I was a CB, as you know. But uh, that's the guy that fills up tanks uh, or fills up gas with or fuel with everything. So yeah. um, he's, uh, he was a weapons instructor for, uh, uh, constitution or for concealed carry. Those people aren't necessarily tactical in their in in that profession. They're they're teaching people right. at a minimum. So, um, but the thing is, is being part of procurement or logistics, he he obviously planned this out. Um, but to, he was also admitted, from what we can tell, uh, self admitted uh, for two weeks into a men mental institution, hearing voices. Mm -hmm. um, he had been fired from his position at his job, uh, uh, and we're still getting conflicting circumstances as to where he actually worked. One was a recycling center. Um, so there's still a lot of information out. Um, and then talking to the people on the ground in Maine, talking about the terrain, which a lot of people you know, may not know in this particular area, they said you can actually take the uh, snowmobile trails all the way into Canada. Uh, yes. It's very, 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 very rural. So yeah. that's, that's where we're at right now. And uh, 
I, I know they're still looking in grid patterns and trying to figure it out. Well, thanks, Chad. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, it's uh, uh, it, it's unfortunate that the media. I can't tell you how many times I heard the the phrase "22 confirmed dead" last night, uh, watching uh, various corporate media channels, uh, and uh, that, that's pitiful if they were saying that and uh, not being it, not confirming it. Quite frankly, it's uh, it, it it dishonors the folks that have been killed and injured and really uh, hurts the families of those folks, uh, quite frankly, you know. Uh, so this guy, Chad, was a 20-year Army National Guard guy, uh, a fuels guy. Uh, I'm sure he'd been trained, like all of us are, with the M4, M16 uh, kind of thing. Uh, the pictures that I saw, if they were accurate, looked like he had some you know, training on how to handle a weapon like that, those kind of things. Uh, is there... Any other information known about him besides the part about being a firearms instructor for CCW uh, that uh, that you've been able to find out at all? Or is that it? No, he, um, he he's a pretty normal guy from what we're yeah. able to see other than uh, the mental illness that he stems from. Nobody, There's been reports that the mental illness was from PTSD from having uh, gone into theater in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. That was not true 20 years into the uh, reserves, um, not necessarily National Guard. I don't know how they do it. In okay, that's right. Army Reserves, right. Uh, he has never had a combat mission uh, overseas in those 20 years. So he is not a, 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 a war veteran. Um, doesn't mean that his veteran, you know, us guys that were full-time military, mm -hmm. we look at service and National Guard a little differently, and, and that's what it is. But um, ultimately, he, he, he served his country. He was serving his country in, in the reserves. But he was not a, a combat uh, person. He did not have the PTSD from combat. Um, this was a guy that was in the reserves and fueled uh, equipment and was a logistics guy and and obviously was dealing with mental health because we have his yeah. two-week stay in the mental health facility. Other than that, there's really a lot of misinformation out there, and it's hard to get anything out. I will give it up to the main governor and mayors. They are not playing into the corporate media. They are not saying anything to anybody. They're worried about the people of Maine, and they really don't care if we know what's going on. They're worried about their communities, which, you know, me as as I am in politi politics, that's your yeah. number one job is the safety of your people as an elected official, and, and they're trying to figure it out right now. Absolutely. That's the right thing to do. Uh, I'm glad that came out because I was wondering about the PTSD, but that's not why I, I wanted to do that subject, the subject of veterans mental health. Uh, on the show today, I happen to have PTSD. I have been given SSRIs, and a lot of the active shooter males uh, over the years, whether they're teenagers or up to this guy, he's what, 40 or so? Uh, uh, and I don't know if he's had them or not, but obviously he's been in a mental health facility for two weeks uh, and then let go. Uh, and those SSRIs create some difficult issues over the long term, especially if they're mixed into a cocktail the way the Veterans Affairs Administration does. Uh, I don't know if you got any comments on that issue, Chad, or not, but I've got a couple of uh, folks that have been uh, dealing with the issue in various ways that I want to get on the stage to talk about uh, the uh, negative effects of SSRIs and how folks can deal with PTSD and other mental issues without being over-medicated. 
Yes, sir. Um, my PTSD, which I, I also have, um, but I also have PTSD from my time as a medic and a firefighter. Mm -hmm. And I've always kept my body busy and I've always looked to different ways to, to, I hate medicine. I hate pills as a medic. I've seen people do some crazy stuff with fentanyl and, 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 and yeah. injectables and drugs. And the, the VA did try to put me on SSRIs and, um, I fought it like crazy and I actually never took them because I was cognizant of what they were about being a medic. Yeah. Um, and what I did is, is I really got deep into my, through therapy and my psychologist working together. Um, I, I dealt with more of my underlying issues like ADHD. Um, I dealt with that in a new way and, and found new ways for me to, to, uh, keep my mind away from the PTSD concepts. Uh, and as you know, the worst part is when you close your eyes, I see every baby I've put in a, yeah. in a bag i i i, I see mm -hmm. things i none of, that i don't want anybody in this room to ever see and that's yeah. when you know I, I have trouble sleeping i i i would get up um my wife can't touch me when i'm sleeping because i'll try to uh, i could become violent um you're on edge you never get that rest right so um the the va and i do not know that 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 being in the reserves, if the VA is treating him, I would doubt it, to be honest with you, especially him not being combat uh, mm. connected. Yeah. Uh, but the VA here, the it was a month after Obama, I mean, Biden took over, same thing. Um, the, a month after he, they took over, I, my brand new VA here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, went into the toilet. I mean, it was mm. almost like they flipped a switch yeah. from when Trump had it to uh, Biden being on the wall. Um, and by the way, here in Myrtle Beach, uh, they quit putting his picture up because people keep stealing it and putting it in the dumpster. Uh, <laughs> just a fun fact here. But veterans are an interesting bunch. Sits in the VA, I've had I've had eleven doctors. They can't keep doctors. Yeah. They get the lowest grade they can. It takes me seventeen months to get an eye exam for glasses. Yeah. Wow. This, 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 if anybody wants believes in socialism. Come hang out with a veteran at the VA. I promise you, you will think twice about universal health care. Yeah, I've had three primary care changes, uh, physician changes, in a year and a half myself, but that's not nearly as bad as you. Well, folks, we're not going to do a regular commercial this time. I'm just going to do a real quick ad read, uh, and then we'll continue. And, and I want to get Kim up on the stage, uh, uh, Kat, uh, when I get finished with the ad read. So listen up, folks. Bidenomics is not working. The U.S. dollar is losing value, and your hard-earned savings are at risk. You can act now before it's too late with one straightforward, entirely legal tax loophole. Contact my friends at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide. Learn how to safeguard your wealth from a failing dollar in volatile markets with gold to silver IRAs. Dial 833, the number 2USA-GOLD. That's 833-287-2465. Or you can visit the website, Protect from Biden. Dot com. Well, welcome back to the Rob Manus Show. We're talking about the truth about veterans' mental health and drugs known as SSRIs and their relations to active shooters, not just for veterans uh, like this individual uh, that happened last night. As you, and as you just heard, there's no evidence that he had PTSD, but we know he was treated for mental health, so he may have been uh, prescribed these SSRIs. But the, the long-term effects that I've seen is that is a, you can become suicidal or homicidal on these drugs when you're in a long-term treatment situation. It's one of the reasons why I got off of them uh, when I was being treated by them. 
was when I found out from other veterans what was going on. Uh, and uh, the other thing that uh, you can do is find organizations that can help you figure out how to deal with PTSD without being medicated, like Chad Caton was just talking about there. I do the same thing. I'm a, on the board of an organization called Military Veter Veterans Advocacy Incorporated, Military Veterans Advocacy Incorporated. It's mbadvocacy.org, I believe, is their website. We've got a new program that's not about medication. It's just about getting veterans outside for 10 minutes every day to do something. Go for a walk with your dog. Go sailing. Play a game of golf. You know, anything. Just get outside every single day because you would be amazed at what that does uh, in a positive way that medication will never pull off. I do it. We've encouraged everybody to do it, but go to MB Advocacy. And the other thing for PTSD veterans, I will tell you, you can get help that's not VA help. Uh, and one organization I'm going to pitch for you is called PTSD Foundation. The PTSD Foundation, you can follow them on X at PTSD USA. They have a facility called Camp Hope. I've toured it. I've met the men and women that operate it, that founded it, and that fund it. And it's an exceptional organization, and it helps veterans get through their program and become productive citizens again that have PTSD, much more severe than anything I've ever had. Uh, and it's an exceptional organization. So PTSD USA. Now, about these SSRIs, I'd like to get Kim up on the stage. Uh, uh, and uh, thank you, Kim, for joining us today. I know you've got some uh, information you'd like to share with us about that medication uh, and whether to use medication of that type or other types uh, and what can happen uh, yeah, when things so, go wrong with it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for um, having me. So uh, first of all, I think I have to give a little background on how I got doing my drug safety work. I like to call myself the accidental um, advocate because I never set out to do this work, but um, almost over 20 years ago, I was uh, happily married to my husband of almost 10 years, and his name was Woody. And Woody had just started his dream job with a startup company and was having trouble sleeping, and which is not uncommon for entrepreneurs. But anyways, um, he went to his um, GP and was telling him that he was having trouble sleeping and was given a sample pack of Zoloft, which is an antidepressant. Mm -hmm. and was told that it would take the edge off and help him sleep. And I was out of the country the first three weeks when he was put on the drug. And um, I come home, and on August 6, 2003, I got a call um, from my dad. I was out of town on business that my husband was found hanging, mm -hmm. uh, dead at age 37. He was not depressed. He had no history of depression or any other mental illness. And so literally in that phone call, my entire life, um, as I knew it, changed. And especially what intuitively never made sense from the very beginning is mm -hmm. this guy loved life. We just booked um, all of our trips. Like he had just started his dream job. Yeah. And so literally that night that um, he was found, the coroner asked a very simple question. Was Woody taking any medication? And the only medication he was taking was Zola. And so she said, proceeded to say, we're going to take it with us. It might have something to do with his death. That was clue number one. Mm. Clue number two was the front page of our paper in Minneapolis had an article that said the UK finds link between antidepressants and suicide in teens. 
And so yeah. that with the um, those two clues with the uh, the deep intuitive part of me that was like, there's no way that Woody would take his own life. And um, so that really started this journey. And all that my brother-in-law did that night was go home and um, type in Zoloft and suicide. And little did we know that there were hearings in 1991 that the FDA held when it was just Prozac and it was on the emergence of violence and suicide in, um, with Prozac. And at that time, the advisory board members, most of them had um, ties with financial, you know, institutions or the financial um, with the pharmaceutical companies. Mm -hmm. The FDA told Eli Lilly to study suicidality. They never did. Fast forward, the FDA never followed up. And now we have um, new ones like Pro, um, Paxil and Zoloft that are on the market and for kids. And so that really was the start of it. Like, I had no idea. We were completely blindsided. But through part of this, um, my work, I had, a, uh, I had a lawsuit against Pfizer and started, um, in addition, you know, I was out testifying, mm -hmm. you know, my mission was to get black box warnings put on these drugs. Yeah. And, but, you know, one of the biggest things that was really eye-opening were the documents that came out from under seal. From that the companies, Pfizer, Eli Lilly, um, you know, GlaxoSmithKline, they have long known, and the FDA have long known that there's um, a tie with these drugs with suicide and violence. Yes, they have. And, you know, and so the fact that, you know, we keep having these, you know, last night, the first thing, you know, every time I hear of a mass shooting, the first thing I ask is, here we go again. Yeah. Here we go again, and I'm heartbroken for the community, the heartbroken for the families, um, all of that. But then when I heard, you know, we don't know yet, right? I mean, I always say, don't like we can't jump to conclusions, but right. you know, the fact that he spent time in the mental institution or mental hospital for a couple weeks, most of the time they come out with some kind of cocktail of medications. Right. And um, but, you know, the first thing everybody goes down is the gun. You know, we already heard that we need more gun regulations, you know, mental health, all of that. But when you actually look at the information that's been out there, you know, we're not asking the right questions. You know, we that's need right. to start because we keep doing this over and over again. And, you know, I look at one of the documents um, that I still think is shocking. And, and you can actually go on my um, substack acceptable collateral damage um, mm -hmm. at substack and i have um, one on there that's all about the mass shootings and a history and then the ssri and various violence cases you know there's um there's the famous um it was in 1998 donald shell he murdered his wife daughter granddaughter yeah. um after 48 hours of starting um pack or paxil and eventually had um, a lawsuit uh, a trial and was awarded um, you know, monies. You look at the famous um, Phil Hartman, who was on Saturday mm -hmm. Night Live. His That's wife, right. Bryn, had just started Zoloft, killed her, him and then herself. Yep. They also sued the drug company and quietly settled the case. So, you know, this has been something that we do need to, um, you know, ask the questions because mm -hmm. you know yeah. I, it's one of the ones i want to know right now is who is the psychiatrist what what medications what were the diagnosis what 
we, that's something that I think we need to find out. But quickly, all these things that happen, every, you know, the shooters and, you know, the school mm -hmm. shootings, they quickly shut that part of that's true. the investigation up. And I think that's a very important piece that we need to know because these drugs do have an association with violence and suicide. You're absolutely right. That's why I wanted to get you guys on and, and focus the show. Use the incident to, to bring some focus on mental health treatment, SSRIs, their relation to violence, uh, whether it's self-inflicted or violence on others. Uh, Kim, thank you very much. Uh, next, I want to bring up Ginger Kinsey uh, up onto the stage. She's got a story, too, and some uh, some uh, information related to this very issue that we want to get out there to everybody. Ginger, welcome to the Rob Maynard Show. Ginger, go ahead and unmute, unmute your mic there, sweetie. There you go. Okay, right. did so. My phone lost. My apologies. Uh, it happens to me all the time. I don't know if anybody um, has seen my pinned tweet, but I lost my job as a doctoral level clinical psychologist on Fort Hood and was removed from patient care for correctly identifying a high risk soldier who was not assigned to post, mm -hmm. but came in, failed to maintain even marginal military bearing. He was pending adjudication for assault and family violence. His chain of command did not know anything about that. So that was an exception to patient confidentiality. Yeah. Um, I had to open a family advocacy case because of the pending domestic violence charges. So that was a second exception mm -hmm. to confidentiality. The third exception was he detailed that he was so under the influence of alcohol that he was unable to tell me the details of what led to the charges that were pending deferred adjudication. So that was a third um, exception to confidentiality. Yeah. The interesting thing was that, of course, I had already looked into his electronic me medical record, the EMR, prior to triaging him, and it, there were just numerous red flags. Uh, one of the things was he had told a psychiatrist at some point that he enjoyed running around shooting people and we should send him back to theater. Mm -hmm. um, another point of note was that, and I'm medically retired law enforcement, so that's my right. first career and I'm a forensic trained psychologist, so I have a bit of a different background. Mm -hmm. So when you come in and, and you may, and, and I'm a boy, I have a soft heart for the people who serve. I always worked 45, yeah. sometimes 50 hours so that Thank I you. could serve those who served. But when it comes to this kind of a thing, we are supposed to, when we take annual training, to identify those people who are potentially foreign or domestic threats. I, I swore that oath. And this fellow had all of these red flags, but this was going to be his third referral to the Army Substance Abuse Program. Mm -hmm. The second referral, for those of you who know anything about blood alcohol levels, he was a 0.30 
BAC, mm. and that was on the basis wow. not of a breathalyzer, but a yeah. blood draw. Yeah. So this this suggests alcohol dependence, not alcohol abuse. Yeah. So at any rate, um, to to get to the point, I called his chain of command again. He was not assigned to our posts. Um, so that's curious, number one, that he came on to our post. Number two, I was assigned to an outlying clinic in the brigade footprint so that he even found me on my triage day, but I was already in a fly in the ointment and regularly mm -hmm. at the ombudsman's office and that sort of thing over the stuff that was going on mm -hmm. on post. Yeah. But um, anyway... I was in the brigade footprint when I ended up calling the MPs for an assist, and it took them almost half an hour to get there. They couldn't find me. So how he found me, I don't know. But um, I called down to Camp Mabry because that's where he was from, and I asked for an assist. And I told him, do not leave the clinic, even though mm -hmm. we're not supposed to put hands on. Right. I, I, we would have had to if this had escalated. But anyway, the long and the short of it is the MPs come, but it took them almost half an hour to get there. And the fix was already in. Um, I watched them unload weaponry from his the back of his truck. He had three mm -hmm. loaded handguns, an yeah. M4 rifle, a shotgun, numerous rounds of ammunition. And they put together a police report that they initially denied me access to that is not even worthy of an unfounded dog bite report. The whole incident was totally whitewashed. Why would they have done that? Why would they have covered up for this guy who brings on a whole weapons cache? And then for my efforts, I get moved to the med board clinic, which is a rubber stamp operation. And it was an illegal move and civilian uh, personnel up in Illinois, mm -hmm. I believe it was, got involved. Um, but well, yeah. Well, thank you so uh, much so for this, telling your story, Ginger. We appreciate that. Uh, and folks, after the show, I'll spend uh, a few minutes more answering questions. We're gonna shift gears here after the break to Mike Davis and the craziness uh, that's coming out of the place that's called Washington, D.C., and the corporate media uh, and those kind of things. But, Cisco, I want you to play clip uh, two before we go to the break real quick. So, folks, listen to this young man. Hey, I got you, man. All right. What branch you in? Army. Army. All right. Hey, my name's Kyle. All right. We'll help you out. All right, bud. I'm here with you. I'm here with you. All right. I'm gonna start an ambulance over here to us. Okay. All right, bud. Hey, no, 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 no. Hey, if I send you, it's, it's nothing on you. Okay. State of Connecticut covers that. All right. Can, can we step out of the car, boss? Just so we can talk? Hey, come in front of your truck, bud. Starting an ambulance to 6 8 off ramp eastbound. I'm with a vet who's on the uh, suicide hotline. Hey. Sorry, man. Hey, hey. You have anything on you? No, no. Okay, here's our check in. Cool. Any appointments, bud? What? One? Okay, dude. Tough time for everyone in your position, all right? Relax, though. Hey, I'm here with you, okay? Here. Oh, yeah.
We have to take care of these young men and women. Have to. We'll be right back after this break with Hakeem Jeffries on the video and Mike Davis to give some commentary. I'm Rob Maines. If you're like me and you want to be prepared for the unexpected. That's where the wellness company's emergency medical kit comes Over in. Over 40% of Americans say that they would avoid a doctor or a hospital unless it was a catastrophic situation. Medical emergency kits with ivermectin. The kit contains eight potentially life-saving medications for you to keep on hand in the event of natural disasters, supply chain shortages, medical emergencies, or like an apocalyptic situation. These are the actual medications that you would need in the event of certain situations. So they've got emergency antibiotics, antivirals, antiparasitics. observation about the state of our democracy. Joe Biden won the 2020 presidential election. He's doing a great job under difficult circumstances, and no amount of election denialism will ever change that reality. Not now, not ever. Welcome back to the Rob Mana Show here live on Truth Thursday. And that was the Marxist Democrat majority leader of the House of Representatives, Hakeem Jeffries, who couldn't even say those words with a straight face looking right at the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, because they call him an election denier. That's the headline of the Rolling Stone today. And we've got Mike Davis of the Article 3 Project back with the Rob Mana Show to uh, discuss this issue and the effect of the judiciary in the next segment on the presidential election. Mike, welcome back to the Rob Mana Show. Thank you for having me. Uh, hey, sir, it's my understanding we got you audio only, but uh, <laughs> that's just a little clip of what Jeffrey said. Uh, and, uh, and Johnson is a gracious man. Uh, and he didn't go back at him when he got the podium and the mic. He stayed true to, to his beliefs and, and talked about policy and where we were going to go in the House of Representatives. But Jeffries and uh, his ilk uh, continually say things like that and trash the Americans serving in the House of Representatives and the Senate that are America first or Trump supporters or, or believe something was going on, and like I do with the 2020 election. I think it was rigged, uh, and uh, I just want to know what you think about uh, what he said yesterday, and where do you think Johnson's going to take this uh, Congress? Well, I would say this, that I am very pleased that the House of Representatives picked House Speaker Mike Johnson to lead. That three weeks of chaos led by Congressman Matt Gates was well worth it. We got a very good speaker. He is uh, a very smart and effective constitutional lawyer. He, is, he has not been in the swamp 
long enough to uh, to destroy him. He's been in Congress for like five or six years. He was in the Louisiana legislature before that for a short time. Uh, he is conservative. He is well-liked by Republican colleagues across the spectrum, and I think he's going to do a fantastic job pulling the House Republicans together and actually doing a, a good job of leading uh, the opposition against President Biden and Democrats. And so that's that's that. As for this whole idea that he's an election denier, well, remember, Democrats objected to Republican presidential wins in 1968, 2000, 2004, and 2016. So if uh, election denying is somehow now a felony like they're, they're trying to do with Trump, you would see, uh, I, I guess you'd see Al Gore and John Kerry and Hillary Clinton uh, uh, sharing a cell in prison because they also denied the election. And it's not a crime to object to presidential elections in America. It's, it's specifically allowed by the Electoral Count Act of 1887. Twisting arms politically is allowed by the First Amendment. And let's look at the 2020 election. It was clearly rigged. You had Democrats illegally changing election laws, blaming COVID. They mass mailed live ballots to old voter lists, including to college campuses, where college students move around quite a bit. They gutted signature verification and other key safeguards. Uh, that's the key way to stop voter fraud. They tossed out election observers. Those are the evidence gatherers. Then they said that Republicans didn't have evidence. Well, you threw out the evidence gatherers. And then if anyone Question this. Anyone dared to question this online? They were censored, silenced, deplatformed, and canceled from, you know, from Facebook, from Twitter, old Twitter, from uh, the, the from Instagram, uh, from all these online platforms. These Democrats ferociously fought any audits after the election, and then they indicted Trump and 18 others for objecting to the election. So yes, the election was certainly rigged. Yeah, I, I definitely think it was rigged, uh, and uh, and I think and I know there was voter fraud. We know that. that all you have to do, I don't know if you've been tracking on John Eastman's uh, disbarment trial that's been going on the last couple of weeks, but the evidence is all over it. Direct evidence uh, from various different sources in in many of the swing states, you know. So, but but. Shouldn't these guys? I, I mean, what they've done with the Russia hoax after the 2016 election, uh, and now uh, painting half the country, and Jeffries even said it in his speech, he used the term insurrectionists. There's been no insurrection. You can't take what a demonstration that had some small riots turned into it, and people broke some glass and, and went into the Capitol building and say, oh, they're insurrectionists. I don't care what the kangaroo court's outcome is, it's just wrong for people in positions like that to use terminology like that, not only against their colleagues, but us too, because that's what he's saying, isn't it? Yeah, remember January 6th was a lawful protest permitted by the National Park Service. It got out of control and turned into a riot. How many insurrectionists get to the Senate floor of a nation's capital and walk through velvet ropes and follow police direction and don't burn down the damn place, right? It is exactly. absurd that they're calling this an insurrection. It's a smear. And the reason they're do the, doing this is they're so fearful that Trump and Republicans are gonna actually reveal that Democrats rigged the election. And so they're trying to discredit them ahead of time, right? And so yeah. 
you're going after on this bogus insurrection theory. They're going after Trump, Trump top, Trump's top aides, his supporters. It is a, a weaponization of the Justice Department that we've never seen, weaponization of law enforcement, weaponization of intel. And frankly, it's election interference. They're trying to interfere in the 2024 election. Do you think we'll ever get any accountability on that? Because, I mean, really, the Russia hoax was a bloodless coup attempt, quite honestly. That's my opinion. I've, I've lived through two coup attempts in, uh, in North Africa when I was a kid in the early 70s. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean that's the problem, is, is you have a uniparty in D.C. that protects the uniparty, right? And it's very clear that you had blatant illegal election interference by law enforcement and the intel community in 2016, 2020, and they're doing it, doing it again in 2024. And what I'm hoping is that with a new speaker, Mike Johnson, that we can actually get serious about these House investigations and actually start issuing subpoenas for these key actors and actually hold them in contempt of Congress. And we know the Biden Justice Department's not going to do anything about contempt of Congress. But on January 20th, 2025, when President Trump is back in office, the statute of limitations will not have run on contempt of Congress by that time. Yeah, I, I hope you're right, man. Well, hey, since the last time you were on the show, we've started simulcasting to a Twitter uh, or X space. So we have a live audience. And uh, uh, every segment, I, I let them ask at least one question or make a comment. So let's go over to those guys. And Kat uh, is our producer over there. Uh, Kat, do you have anybody with the microphone that wants to ask Mike a question? Um, nobody has their hand up right now, but, you know, I'm sure I could think of something. Um, I wanted to ask ask him if uh, if I'm correct on this, on the, speaking of the J6 prisoners that have been locked up most of them mm -hmm. more than two years. I feel like they've used the Patriot Act in reverse as a weapon against the American people because as far as I know, they're they've been sitting there with without due process. And that yeah. is a not the normal way of the world in America. Um, I'm just curious what you guys' thoughts are on that. Yeah, welcome to Obama judges and welcome to the weaponization of law enforcement in the intel community. This is look, I back in two thousand back 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 after nine eleven, I worked for the Bush 43 administration, I was all for the Patriot Act and these other measures. I thought they were good things to fight terrorism. And I thought that the people who were raising civil libertarian concerns about these measures were kind of wacky, right? Well, guess what? They ended up being right. So yeah. this has made me reevaluate my, uh, my old thinking on a lot of these different matters, including the Patriot Act. And I would just ask this. We have Hamas terrorist supporters, terrorizing college campuses, terrorizing the Jewish community, making threats, beating up Jews. Where the hell is the Justice Department, right? Where the hell is the Civil Rights Division? Where, the, where is the National Security Division? We have people providing support to terrorist organizations, Hamas and Hezbollah, and we don't hear a word out of the Biden Justice Department. We don't hear a word out of the Biden administration more broadly. We barely hear President Biden condemning, right? We barely hear President Biden standing up for the Jewish community in America. And what we hear is, is a lot of talk of Islamophobia as these Hamas supporters and Hezbollah supporters are terrorizing the Jewish community across America. 
You're absolutely right, man. Uh, and uh, talk about uh, the judiciary, and we're going to talk in one more segment and hold you over to talk about the impact on the presidential election. That is classic election interference, even by the Democrats' definition. We'll be right back to The Rob Manus Show with Mike Davis of the Article 3 Project right after this message. Attention Americans, breaking news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. Take action now. The Federal Reserve phase deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared. This may catch many off guard. Your hard-earned assets are in jeopardy. But there's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Reach out to American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Visit protectfrombiden.com. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Be smart. Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Visit protectfrombiden.com to get your free guide and get started. Again, that's protectfrombiden.com. George, good morning to you. It has been a season of remarkable firsts involving Donald Trump, and he added another one when he became the first president placed under oath and answered to judges' questions as a courtroom witness. This happened after Trump, in the courthouse hallway, called the judge very partisan and said there's a person who's very partisan sitting alongside of him. Trump has attacked the judge's law clerk before and been admonished not to do it again. On the witness stand, Trump insisted he was aiming his remark at Michael Cohen, who spent two days on the stand. But the judge did not believe him. I find the witness is not credible, the judge said. I find the witness was referring to my law clerk. The judge fining Trump $10,000 and warning next time it will be worse. The judge saying, I am very protective of my staff. I don't want anyone killed. Trump was in court to watch Cohen, who testified his ex-boss directed him to make his net worth whatever number he wanted it to be. But on cross-examination, Trump's lawyers questioned why Cohen told Congress back in 2019 Trump did not direct him to inflate his net worth. The defense threw up its hands, asked the judge to end the trial because of Cohen's contradiction. When the judge refused, Trump stormed out of the courtroom, catching everyone, Robin, even his Secret Service detail, by surprise. Welcome back to The Rob Manus Show. We're talking about uh, the craziness in the judiciary uh, and the Congress uh, uh, because of Donald Trump. I don't know what he, uh, what about him drives the nuts. Uh, with Mike Davis of the Article 3 Project, Mike, uh, we appreciate you being with us today. But, I mean, that's just what the Judge Erdogan or whatever his name is there, he's deranged. Nobody's going to get killed. The only people that have been attempted to kill anybody were Democrats because they listened to people, and they tried to kill Steve Scalise and a whole bunch of other Republicans on a baseball field based on the Russia hoax uh, propaganda, I believe. Uh, but there's been no sign of any Trump supporter trying to kill an elected official or a judge or a clerk or any of that 
because of these trials, even as absurd as they are, has there? This is nonsense by this partisan Democrat clown judge. Look, Democrats impeached President Trump twice for nonsense. They indicted him four times for non-crimes, and they thought they would take him out with this lawfare, and it's actually backfired against the Democrats and made President Trump stronger. It's going to put President Trump back in the White House. And so now we have these Democrat prosecutors working with these highly partisan Democrat judges like this New York goofball, Judge Erdogan, or whatever the hell his name is, and then D.C. Obama Judge Tanya Shutkin to put yeah. unconstitutional gag orders on a criminal defendant. If there is anyone in America who needs the constitutional right to speak out about the prosecutor, about the judge, about the court staff, about the, uh, about the process, it is a criminal defendant going through the criminal process. That is protected by the First Amendment. The First Amendment protects the American people, not the government. The Sixth Amendment right to a fair trial protects criminal defendants, not the prosecutor, not the judge, not the court staff. And what they're doing here is truly un-American. It's unconstitutional. And President Trump should appeal this even all the way to the Supreme Court if he needs to. What's very telling is the ACLU, certainly no fan of President Trump, has seen how egregious these gag orders are. And they jumped in on the D.C. case and told Obama Judge Tanya Shutkin that her gag order is clearly unconstitutional. Do you think they're surprised, the the uh, the judge? Uh, she's another, the daughter of a Marxist uh, 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 Obama appointee. Uh, I mean, I mean, they just shredded the Constitution and throwing it out the window. You know, do you think she was surprised yeah. that even the ACLU, they lost the ACLU on this? Yeah, how the hell do you manage to lose the ACLU as an Obama judge? That just shows you how rapidly partisan this D.C. Obama judge Tanya Shuckin is, and clearly she can't even read the law. The D.C. local criminal rules, I think it's 57.7C, it specifically talks about how gag orders are supposed to protect the accused, the defendant, not the prosecutor and his thin skin and his, you know, and his feelings. It's to protect the criminal defendant. It's, so it's not even lawful. I don't see how it's lawful to put a gag order on a criminal defendant. If, if the criminal defendant is threatening the judge, truly threatening the judge or the jury or the prosecutor or the court staff, then you charge him with obstruction of justice. You don't put an illegal, unconstitutional prior restraint on his First Amendment right to speak out. Yeah, because obstruction, I mean, that even covers intimidating witnesses, right? I mean, if you got a charge yes. you can make, that's it, right? That, that's exactly right. And they know it's a very high standard. They know that President Trump is not threatening anyone. This is part of the lawfare, and it is a shame that this New York Judge Ergawan, or whatever this clown judge's name is, and then D.C. Obama Judge Tanya Shuckin are so egregiously hyper-partisan. They are bringing disgrace to the state and federal judiciary by doing what they're doing. They're supposed to be neutral players in, in this, and they are partisan participants. Yeah, it's this old American warrior's view that, it, that that is the existential threat to the Republic of the United States is the, the downfall, potential downfall of our judiciary. I mean, that if that falls, uh, a lot of things go with it. A lot of firewalls go with it. Uh, do you think— And that, I agree uh, with— you know, Trump filed uh, for a dismissal, I think, in the D.C. case. Uh, 
that's uh, based on the First Amendment uh, and uh, executive presidential immunity. Do you think that has a chance of uh, of going anywhere once it gets appealed outside of Chetkin's purview? Yeah, I think these are very powerful arguments. The the the, uh, the President Trump is making two arguments, both in Fulton County, Georgia, and in D.C. on these January sixth bogus cases. Number one, that Whatever President Trump did as the president of the United States is covered by presidential immunity. His official acts are presidential immunity. You can't charge him criminally for what he did as the president of the United States, including the outer perimeter of his presidential powers. And that's very clear by Supreme Court case law in the past, right? And so uh, Judge Chutkin will have to decide that. If she doesn't decide it, that is immediately appealable to the D.C. Circuit, and if the D.C. Circuit rules the wrong way, President Trump can file a cert petition to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court does not have to take the case. They have discretionary review, but I don't know how they can't take this case when it's dealing with presidential power like this. Alternatively, yeah, I mean, what, what happened if he's not acting? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, that's what the court was designed to do, right? Was to pick up questions uh, about uh, enumerated powers, uh, power disputes between the branches, and everything, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that's you're presuming that the Supreme Court justices will put on their big boy pants, uh, you know, find their backbones and actually do their jobs. They have lifetime tenure. They have pay protection. They're not supposed to care about the politics, but they uh, these Republican appointed Supreme Court justices have sure been weak when it comes to President Trump. So let's let's hope that changes, because this is so much bigger than Donald Trump. This is. This is these are republic ending tactics by yeah. these democrat prosecutors and these democrat judges. Just think about this. You think this is going to end with Donald Trump? You think that this lawfare is going to go away if President Trump goes away? Hell no. Oh yeah, I mean they're going to go after people like Mike Johnson. He's an election denier. It's obvious. I mean Hakeem Jeffries says it all the time. Uh Mike, well we've got one yeah. hand up. We just got a couple minutes of your time here left. Uh uh, we've got one hand up from the live audience. Uh, go ahead, Silenced, uh, with your question. Hey, thanks. Uh, big fan of yours, Mike Davis. Uh, in fact, we worked together early on. Um, I I was going to initially ask about the ACLU. Thanks for covering that. The strange bedfellows uh, politics make having <laughs> Mike and ACLU uh, aligned on something. Love it. So I am actually really concerned now about this news about um, Mark Meadows wearing um, a, a mic, well, not a mic, um, what is it called? A wire. A, a wire. <laughs> a wire, yeah, and others who may be caught up in this. But but just the legality of this and, and how this looks on the face where, you know, this FISA supposedly um, was filed by, was it Obama? And I guess granted. And I'm I'm just really concerned. How could this be legal? He's going after his political candidates. Yeah. I'm sure you got it. Well, you know, I have, not, say about that. I have not read a lot into this wire story. I need to get caught up on that. But that would be pretty egregious if that happened. But if you think about it, the FBI spied on President Trump as a presidential candidate, the, the Biden Justice Department did under the guise of their bogus crossfire hurricane investigation. And then they continued to spy on him when he was the president of the United States. So it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they sent someone in with a wire. It would. It does surprise me if it's the White House 
chief of staff and you have to ask, uh, I need to learn more about that, but if that, if the White House chief of staff wore a, pres uh, wore a wire to record the president of the United States, you have to ask what would be the predicate for doing that? It sounds like this is a highly illegal spying operation on a president of the United States and it shows that the FBI, the deep state forgets who they work for and another, just yet another reason why there needs to be serious reforms to the FBI, to the Justice Department, to, and to the intel community. Uh, you're absolutely right. Well, Mike, thank you very much for joining us today. We are out of time. You can find Mike at the Article 3 Project, and thank you guys over there at the Article 3 Project, Mike, for everything you do and everything you did while, while working for Senator Grassley and all the other great work you've done. We really appreciate it, and uh, we'll get you back soon when we get some more breaking news, because I'm sure there will be plenty of opportunities, man. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Well, folks, uh, that's it. Our country is in uh, uh, in trouble. I mean, we, we live in uh, trying times, and uh, they do try your soul, as Thomas Paine alluded to and said in his common sense. So stick with the truth. Stick with the facts. Come watch and participate in The Rob Mana Show. We're going to try to do this style every True Thursday. So thank you so much for folks over uh, in the live audience. And uh, we'll see you Monday, where it's more War Monday again. Unfortunately, we have all kinds of things to talk about in that regard. I'll see you next week. Tucker's still laughing. <laughs>